Bibles with me to the book of Acts, chapter 1. When you're in Bible college or seminary, they have all these fancy words for the doctrines in the Bible. There are things like hamartiology and soteriology and ecclesiology and eschatology, lots of ologies. And those doctrines are, and many, many other doctrines, which have those long, funny, technical names, are in the Bible. And it's uh, interesting, the text that we're going to read this morning, uh, we're going to be noticing two doctrines that are mentioned, and we're, we'll tell you the, those funny names, but uh, most importantly, we'll talk to you about uh, the true meaning of those uh, doctrines and the, the impact that those doctrines should have in our lives. But uh, I want to ask a question. If you know what the last doctrine that Jesus spoke to his disciples about before he went back to heaven to be with his father. Do you know what doctrine that was? There was one doctrine that Jesus was very interested in that he talked to his disciples about. Now, the disciples were interested in another doctrine. There was a doctrine that they were very interested in that they asked Jesus about not knowing that he was getting ready to bodily ascend and go back to heaven. So they're, they're interested in one doctrine, and it's an important doctrine. And we're going to be talking some about that doctrine this morning. But Jesus was very concerned about another doctrine. And the question is, what doctrine is that? Now, you've already opened your Bible, so let's read now verses 6 through 11 of Acts chapter 1. Follow along and see if you can uh, find the two doctrines the one that the disciples are interested in and the one that Jesus was interested in. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in, in all of Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld him, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Now, the question persists. What was the doctrine that the disciples were interested in? And what was the doctrine that Jesus was interested in? The two doctrines that are, that are here are the doctrines of eschatology, and the doctrine of missiology. The disciples are interested in eschatology, which is the doctrine of future things, prophecy, what's going to happen next. That's what they're interested in. You see that right here. When they were therefore, come, back to verse 6, when they were therefore come together, they ask of him saying, Lord, 
Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? They're interested in what's going to happen to them and to their country, to Israel. They're interested in eschatology. What's next, Lord? What's going to happen next? But then you notice that Jesus is interested in missiology. Jesus is interested in the doctrine of missions. And Jesus says to them, guys, get over it. Now, that's, that's me paraphrasing, obviously. Uh, Jesus says, don't worry about that. God knows when he's going to do that. Jesus is not denying that it's going to happen. He's, uh, Jesus, more than anyone else there, knows that the kingdom will be restored. That is going to happen. That's been prophesied about, but that's what the disciples were interested in. But Jesus said, no, 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 leave that to God the Father. He knows when he's going to do that. It's in his good time. Be patient. It will happen. But you don't worry about that. I've given you a job to do. I've given you a mission. And I want you to be concerned about missions. And when you notice, then he says in verse 8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy, Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. He says, I want you to get busy with missions. I want you to be busy thinking about the, the thing that is at hand. What we have to do until the kingdom is brought to pass until I sit on my throne, the throne of David. Until that happens, I want you to be doing what I have told you to do. Now, we don't have a, uh, much time this morning to talk to you about what that mission is and, and the how to go about it. Uh, we will uh, hopefully be back again this evening, and we're going to talk about that this evening. But Jesus says, I want you to be concerned about missions. I want you to go into your Jerusalem, your Judea, your uh, Samaria, the neighboring countries, and I want you to just keep on going, uh, preaching the gospel, uh, my gospel, the gospel, gospel of the kingdom. I want you to continue to do that to the uttermost part of the earth. I've given you a mission to do, and he, des- he describes how he wants them to do that, and he's, he's taught them uh, for the last three years about how to go about that. But let's look a moment uh, at, at what happened there physically on that mountaintop? Now, you must, uh, I didn't fill in these blanks yet, but I'm sure that you're already aware of the fact that this is at the close of Jesus' ministry, and he has already uh, been crucified, he was buried, and he rose again, and now he has spent some 40 days with the disciples. And he's gathered them on a mountain. And he's giving them their final instructions about missions, about how to go about doing mission work. So he's given their final instructions. And we don't know exactly how many people were present here, uh, possibly a hundred and some people. Uh, Maybe it was just the 12. We don't know. But we do know that this is the core of the church that Jesus established during his ministry that is present Uh, And we believe that this was on the Mount of Olives, uh, just outside of Jerusalem. And as Jesus is speaking to them, the very last subject that's, that's flowing from Jesus' own lips is missions as he all of a sudden starts to bodily ascend. There's space between the soles of his feet and the ground. And he starts to go up and he goes up and he goes up and he goes up and the, and the Bible says, and a cloud covered him. In other words, he disappeared in a cloud. 
And, and now just think about this. Try to imagine this. If, if you were there, if we were there, what would we be doing? What would be happening to us if we were there? Would we be looking off to one side? Would we be interested in something else? What would be the center of our attention? What would be happening to our eyes and to our heads? We would do just like the disciples did. We'd be following him and following him and following him. And we're interested in eschatology, what's going to happen next. So we're looking and we're looking and we're looking and we're looking. And Jesus has completely disappeared in the cloud. But where are our eyes? Where are our jaws? Wow, what just happened? What just happened here? And we're waiting because he's going to teach us something with this now. He, he's already walked on water. He's done some, you know, he's, he's multiplied uh, food for thousands of people. He, he's healed people. He's done all kinds of wonderful things. This is something we haven't seen yet, but he's going to teach us something with this. And he'll be back any minute now. So let's just, you know, just stay here and wait and look and look and look. And then all of a sudden, two men in white apparel come and they say, hey, guys, what are you doing? What are you doing looking into heaven? What are you doing just looking up? You've got a job to do. You're supposed to get back to Jerusalem. You're supposed to wait for the Holy Spirit to come, and then you're supposed to be about the mission that he gave you to do. Why are you just standing here staring up into the heavens? Get back to Jerusalem. Get busy, guys. It's time to get to work. So that, of course, that, uh, if you will, spoils the moment. And we know the rest of the story, how they did go back into Jerusalem and how all those all thousands of people were saved and the gospel started to spread throughout the world and churches sprung up all over the world. And, and we're where we are today because that they went to Jerusalem and they eventually got busy with the mission. But what I want to concentrate on in the, the coming moments is the, this idea of what we're interested in, what our vision is, where our eyes are, where are, our, where are we looking steadfastly? And what are the, the, the pros and the cons of where we look, how we look? So uh, if you've never tried this before, this is something you'll want to do eventually. Uh, just go to a street corner or stop in a parking lot someplace and just sort of, sort of start looking up in the, at the sky, you know, and, and squint a little bit and maybe point a little bit. And guess what's going to happen? You know what's going to happen? Other people are going to start gathering. And going, what, 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 what was it? What happened? Where is it? Where is it? Where's what? You're not looking at anything. You're just looking at the sky. That's, that's a natural thing. I mean, it happens. Now, they were watching Jesus, and Jesus, but Jesus disappeared. He just disappeared in the cloud, and he's gone. And he is going to come back. The, 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 those two men came to the disciples and said, why are you looking into heaven? The, the same way that he went, the same way that he's going to come back. That is going to happen. That's prophecy. That's going to happen. That's eschatology. That is going to happen. But the point is that they're not supposed to be just looking to the heavens. They're not supposed to be just gazing at the sky, at the clouds, and waiting for Jesus to come back. Now, I find it interesting that up to about 30 years ago, uh, people... Christians around the world were really fixated on eschatology. But slowly, slowly over the years, people don't seem to be quite as interested in eschatology anymore. Have you noticed that? Is that, is that do you make the same observation that I have made? I mean, 
30, 40, 50 years ago, you had caravans of, of Christians going to Jerusalem and they were going through the newspapers and cutting out clippings and they were looking for signs of Jesus coming and all of that kind of thing was going on. And, and you heard a lot of preaching about the second coming of Jesus Christ. But nowadays you don't hear much about it, do you? It sort of died down. Uh, back then, uh, literally, there were a lot of people that were just sort of looking at the sky, waiting for Jesus to come at any moment, just like those disciples. But that sort of died out. Well, let me tell you, this, tell you something. I believe that it is important that Bible-believing uh, Christians and Baptists need to be occasionally looking to the sky. There needs to be more preaching about the coming of Jesus Christ, that is, that is our hope. If you look in the scripture and you go through the scripture in the New Testament uh, more specifically, you will notice that when the Bible talks about our hope, it's always tied to the coming of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it is important that we look up. But let's think about looking and vision. Let's think about it in these terms. As you go through life, do you always just look up? What happens if, if you just look up all the time? If you're just looking up all the time, you never look down and you never look around. What happens? Well, let me give you what happens if you're in the jungle, walking through the jungle with me. And I do that quite often. Can I look just up? Is it a good idea to look just up? It's a good idea to look up occasionally because let me tell you, if you don't look up as you're strolling through the jungle... There are vines that might catch you, you know. There are, there are, so you need to look up to be aware because there are low limbs and there are vines. And there are even, uh, we talked a little bit in the presentation this morning about the animals in the jungle. We have a kind of, of uh, mamba that's a snake that hangs in those trees and very venomous, you know. And if you get bit, I had a friend who many years ago uh, was out in the field working. And it got late, and it got dark, and he didn't come back, and people went to look for him, and when they found him, he was dead because one of those mambas had struck him on the head, and he died right there. So there is a need to look up, isn't there? You need to be, as you go through the jungle, you need to look up. But what happens if all you do is look up? If only thing that you're aware of is above. Oh, look at that monkey, and look at that parrot, or look at this or that. Oh, isn't this lovely? You're just looking up, and you're walking as you go. Well, there are a lot of roots. There are a lot of vines on the, along the ground also. Uh, in the rainy season, a lot of mud. And you're going to slip, and you're going to fall, and you're going to hurt yourself if you don't look down occasionally. But, do, but there again, do you look just down? No, you've got to look around you also. You have to be scanning the horizon. You have to know where you're going. You have to look ahead also. So you don't look just up. You don't look just down. And you don't look just around. You have to do it all. There's a necessity to do all of those things, to look up and down and all around. Uh, there have been a couple of times that as I was tracking other animals, there was a jaguar tracking me. And so when you're going through the jungle... Uh, if you're looking just up or just down, uh, you may miss <laughs> a danger that may be around you also. So I, you've got the point. You, you understand what I'm saying. There's a need to, as you progress, as you go along, you have to look up, you have to look down, you have to look around. 
And in the Christian, the Christian walk, is no different. You have to look up. You need to look up. You need to be aware that Jesus, just as he went back to heaven, the Bible says that he will come back. And we need to be expecting that. We need to be excited about that. We need to be looking up to the coming of Christ. Be looking forward to that. But also there are the dangers, the perils of the world that we live in. And we need to be checking out. We need to be, so that we won't stumble, so that we won't get tripped up, so that we won't fall down in the, in the mud, if, if you will. So that we will not, uh, you know, be tripped up by sin. We need to be aware of the dangers that are around us. We need to be looking down. But do you look just down? No. You need to be scanning the horizon and seeing the opportunities that are out there that are awaiting us, the, 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 the things that God puts in our surroundings for us to take advantage of and to advance as, as Christians and to fulfill the mission that he has given us. Now, just let me insert in this message, which I have preached several times in, in many places, including uh, all over Brazil. Let me just insert this as we think about this very special date in the history of America. Did you notice that the memorial, uh, and I've been looking at this over the last few days, did you notice that that one memorial where they have the water flowing down on four sides at ground zero? Have you noticed that? If you go there, are you going to be able to ignore that? No, if, if you go there, even when you look at it on TV, your eyes are drawn where? Down. Your eyes are drawn down. That, 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 the flow of the water into that cubicle, if you will, that draws your attention. It, it, it draws your eyes downward. And in this particular case, I don't know whether that's the purpose of that, but it reminds us of what happened there 10 years ago, doesn't it? It draws our eyes back to that moment, to that particular place, and it draw, draws our eyes down. And uh, I must confess that as we think about those things, uh, it's, it's somewhat depressing, isn't it? It can get you down. It can make you sad. It can make you go, look down. But there's also right next door there at Ground Zero, a building is going up. A skyscraper is going up. I think they've got it up 80-some floors already, if I'm not mistaken. And what does that do to us? When you look over there, what happens? You look up. It points upward. Uplifting. That's a natural a natural thing to the human being. And then as we think about, and I was listening this morning to uh, a gentleman who was in the armed services that went into one building as it collapsed, one of the towers as it collapsed, trying to get people out. And that building collapsed, and, and then he got out unscathed, and then he went into the other one, and it collapsed. And he then had to be rescued Someone had to go in and dig him out, and his body was all broken. And the years went by, and he was called back into service and actually went to Afghanistan to serve his country. Here's what I would like you to, to notice as we think about this, this thing of, of where our eyes go, where our vision is. So many people lost their lives that day. Many people lost their lives trying to rescue people who were dying in that inferno. And those people that did give up their lives, that it's over. I mean, they died. 
It's over. That man escaped and is living today, and the lives that he saved will someday be forfeited also. Those people are still going to die. Those people that he saved, that he got out, and he himself will one day die. But here's something that, as Christians, gives us great hope. Our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he died, he died to literally save not only the physical lives of people, but the spiritual lives of thousands, yea, millions of people. And Jesus is different because he went in and he suffered our hell on that day. He went into the inferno, if you will. He went into hell to save us that day. He became as if he were a sinner. He became mortal that day. And he gave his life. But because he is God, he came back again. Those who were in those, in those different locations and, and died 10 years ago, they died. And, and, and their physical lives ended right there 10 years ago. And even those who went in to rescue and rescued people, but those people will die again or will die one day. But our Savior is different because he lives. He died once, but he died once for all to save those who will believe in him, to rescue those who will trust in him. And he gives those that he rescues, he doesn't rescue them temporarily. And, and, there, and there's no failure involved because those who he saves are saved eternally. And they will never perish, the Bible says. So as a Christian, here's my challenge to you. Jesus is interested in missions. Jesus is in, interested in people. He, he's not concerned about what's going to happen next. That's not his concern. He says God has, the God the Father has everything under control. Everything will happen according to his plan in his own time. Don't worry about that. What we're about right now is rescuing those who are lost. Sharing the gospel of the kingdom with people here and abroad. In our Jerusalem, in our Judea, in our Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Because Jesus truly does save. When he saves somebody, they're saved forever. And that's what we need to be interested in. We need to be interested in fulfilling that mission. Our eyes cannot be just up looking for him to come back. We can't stand still and stand in one place and cross our arms and drop our jaws and wait for him to come. We can't do that. He's given us a mission. And we need to be aware. We need to, to know that there are dangers down here in this earth where we live. And we need to be looking around and be aware of the dangers from above, from below, and around us. But we need to be moving forward, taking the gospel taking this good news of this Savior who really is a Savior, who really does rescue the perishing. We need to be sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with others. That's for us. We need to be doing it right here where we are right now. But we need to spread out and keep going as, a, as you cast a stone on the pond and those ripples and those waves 
uh, irradiate from one central focal point out to the very shores. We need to be doing that with the gospel. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be, our great hope is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to be glancing to heaven and, and be aware that that's, that's part of our very being. That one day Jesus that went up that way is going to come back the same way bodily back here to, to, to live among us and to establish his kingdom. That is going to happen. But we have pitfalls and there are dangers around us. And we need to be aware of those things. We need to be careful. We need to watch where we step in this world. But we need to be scouting the horizon to see the opportunities that we have in this great mission that he is interested in and wants us to continue and to fulfill of taking the gospel to the uttermost part of the earth. But secondly, if you're here this morning and you need to be rescued, Jesus is the Savior you need. And he is coming back one day, and there will be a day when it can be too late for you. So right now, what you need to be interested in is the salvation of your precious soul that Jesus came to save, that he came to rescue. And let me just share, as we close, what the gospel is. The Apostle Paul gave us a description of the gospel, a very concise description of the gospel, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. He says, I give to you, I remind you of the gospel, and this is the gospel, that Jesus died to pay for our sins, according to the scripture. He was buried, and he rose again from the dead, came back to life on the third day, according to the scripture. That's the gospel. That's what I'm sharing in Brazil. That's what you're, you're sharing here in California. That's what you're doing. That's what all of us are called to do. That is our mission, to share that good news with everybody. How does that apply to your life if you have not been rescued yet, if you have not been saved yet? And yes, that is a very real concept. And death can come very unexpectedly as it did 10 years ago in New York and Pennsylvania and Washington. And as it, as it happens every day, on my trip over here, we were held up in a very short distance uh, between Lexington, Kentucky and Louisville because a man who was driving his truck went through the guardrail and off of an embankment and died unexpectedly. I'm sure he did not expect to die that day. So it can come at any moment. And if you die in your sins, and yes, you are a sinner. I know that that concept to a lot of people is passe and old-fashioned and whatnot. But the truth is that here in America and in Brazil and all around the world, every single human being alive today is a sinner before God. And sinners need a Savior. They need somebody to rescue them from their sins and from the death that can come upon them so suddenly and awaits them and that will keep them uh, apart from God, separated from God eternally if they don't have somebody to rush into the inferno and save them. And what did, what, who is the Savior? Jesus. And what did he do to save us from our sins? He died, was buried, and arose again the third day according to the scripture. And the, the scripture teaches us 
that if we will believe in him, he will save us. He will give us eternal life if we will but turn our lives, sin and all over to him and let us save him. Now, I haven't told this story uh, in any church or anywhere except to my family and uh, to, to my home church down in Brazil. But I think it, it's, it's, this would be a good time for me to tell you this, this story that happened to me on one of my mission trips. I was in Peru. Uh, the river was up very high. It had been raining a lot. The, the water was boiling, and uh, I had Hudson, and uh, one of our other missionaries was with me. And uh, we had had a meeting that morning with some of the other missionaries on the Brazilian side of the border. So we delayed. We weren't supposed to. We were supposed to have been over there in the morning. We had to wait until afternoon to go. And as I come around the bend of the river and I look ahead, I see splashing. But there are no houses or anything. I said, there can't be kids swimming, and especially out there in that particular place would be very dangerous. And as I got a little bit closer, I saw that a family of native uh, or Indians, as we call them, their boat, had, their canoe had, had gone under. And here's this mom and her two little boys flailing in the water, going toward a bank that they could never get up, and the river was just rolling. And so I pushed as hard as I could to get my boat over there. And as I came over, I, I grabbed a hold of this uh, young Indian mom, grabbed a hold of her arm, and she had a baby in her arms. And I'll never forget the, 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 the terror in her eyes as she knew that she and her three kids were about to die right there. If I'd have been a minute earlier or a minute later, they would have perished. So I reached out and I grabbed her and I told Hudson to get the boys out of the water. And then they took the little baby out of her arms. And here's the, the very strange thing. That baby was going to die. That baby was going to die if we were not there to rescue them. But when they took the baby out of mom's arms, the baby started screaming. Because the babies thought, maybe a year old, I don't know. But in the baby's view of the world, what was happening? I want to stay with my mommy I don't want anybody to take me away from my mommy. You can't rationally uh, explain and rationally explain to this baby, but baby, you need, to, you need to understand, we're going to bring you into safety in the boat. No, but the, baby, the baby's preference is what? I want to stay in mommy's arms. Baby doesn't realize that it's going to die if it stays in mommy's arms. So it has to be ripped from mommy's arms and brought into the safety of the boat. Well, we got them in and took them back to their village and everybody was safe and the mom was, was expecting another baby any day. So we were, we were at the right place at the right moment to be able to save a whole family. But here's what I want you to understand. A lost sinner is like a baby, doesn't know the danger, doesn't know the danger. And a lot of times, 
People that you share the gospel with, they want to do what? They want to hold on to what they've got, to what they're used to. They want to hold on to mommy. But somebody needs to come along and do what? Rip them out of mommy's arms into safety. So if you're here this morning, I don't know what you're holding on to. I don't know what you're clinging to. But you need a savior. And Jesus is the one who's always right there at the right moment, at the right place, the right time. And it may be necessary to rip you out of your security into the true safety of his boat. That's what I want you to understand by telling you that story this morning. I was glad that God put me there at that place at that time to be able to save that family. But Jesus is the one who can save you from eternal damnation, eternal loss. And it may be necessary for you to, you may scream and kick and holler and whatever, but you need to trust Jesus to bring you into true safety in his arms. So let go of whatever you're clinging to. Let go of whatever you're trusting in, because whatever it is, it will take you down, it will take you under, and you will die. You need Jesus Christ as your Savior. He's the only one who can save you, and he died to save you. He was buried to carry away your sins, and he left them in the grave so far away that nobody knows where they are, and he arose And if you will trust in him, he will save you right now. Bow with me, if you will. Lord, we thank you that you love us. And you made the supreme sacrifice to save us. We weren't worthy. We didn't even realize the danger we were in. And yet you were willing to give your life to save us. Help us now to be aware of our surroundings, to be looking up, to be looking down, and to be looking around, and to be looking for all the opportunities to fulfill your mission as we go through life. But if there's someone here this morning who has not trusted in you as Savior, and who may be clinging to to something that they feel is secure and safe and familiar, Lord, Pull them away and pull them to true safety in your arms. Help them to trust in you as Savior. We praise you, we honor you, we exalt you, and thank you for your wonderful salvation. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen.